Uppercut Podcast, we are back. We're one host short tonight. Max has got some stuff going on, so it'll just be me and Jeff for the night. We're going to diagnose this week's past fight night with uh, the headliner that was potentially, I would say, the fight of the year thus far. What would you say, Jeff? It's definitely up there. I mean, that shit was a banger, but I, I don't know. I, I always give it... It's so hard to decide when it's so one-sided. Yeah, right. Because I kind of like a real one-sided fight. I feel like it really kind of takes away from it. I know, and like, because in my head, last year's fight of the year was Volk and Max. But then, I'm sure a million yeah. more people would debate that that's not it for the yeah. same exact reason. It was so one-sided. But one thing I wanted to mention about this main event before we hop into it is Jared Cannonier is really beating Father Time. I mean, what the hell is going on with them? Tell me about it. I mean, is this like? The first time a fucking fighter with a 10-year fucking age gap has won. <laughs> like, I feel like that stat was, like, ridiculous. Like, it was, like, one in, like, 37 or some bullshit like that. Yeah, th- this was a fight I would have missed on tremendously. I-, I know we didn't do a preview, but I was really heavy on Vittoria, especially after a huge win he came off of where he just looked... He looked like he finally found his stride. He looked miles ahead of his competition this fight before this. I was going to ride Vittori heavy. I really thought Cannonier was close to done coming into these next few fights of his career. And boy, are we wrong. Just to put it in context, Marvin Vittori ended up absorbing 241 significant strikes, 257 total. That is fucking insane. And yeah, Jared, literally the most in middleweight history. Yep, and Jared Cannonier still went four for six in takedowns. I mean, it was a steamrolling. Marvin Vittori, you can't take it from him, though. He has a chin of steel. He has one of the best chins up there with Max in the UFC. Yeah, he's, you can't, you can't he's, take that he's from him. He's tough for his own good, dude, literally. Like, yeah. He wears shots so good that he just takes them all fight. Like He doesn't even wear them good because he fucking looks crazy after that. Oh, <laughs> after yeah. getting fucking pummeled. But, dude, he, just, he, he can just take them like crazy and still just come in nonstop with Dude, his hands just got lower and lower the more he got hit. Yeah, so it was just it was madness. Yeah, he goes from the Italian stallion male model Vittori to looking like dude. He looks insane after fight. His dude, face swells like up Yolanda bad. He gets after purple. The fucking Zang fight, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you take away from this fight? How do you think Jared Cannonier was so easily able to just dismantle Vittori like he did? He just he used his length real good, honestly. He really fucking managed like picking him apart and then picking his entries when Vittori was really compromised and there was no shot for because I mean he did get he did get hit on a couple like counter shots and Vittori did just enough to, you know, not make it a fucking bulk versus Korean zombie. But I mean Jared Cannonier really picked his shots perfectly in this fight. And he, the way that he, like, really switched up the game plan, I think it was going into the fourth, I want to say. Yeah. Where he got real more conservative and started just eating up the leg and more picking apart. But the the quick start to the, what you call it, to the slow, like, deceleration and cruising into a win, that was a great game plan by fucking, what you call it, Jared Cannonier. 
Yeah, I kind of thought this was eerily reminiscent of Vittori beating on fucking Delize. Like, it kind of, like, if you swapped bodies and ethnicities, obviously, it would have been, yeah. like, pretty, pretty fucking reminiscent of what that. And that's what I thought Vittori was going to have success with doing the Cannoneer. Because I really thought we were going to see the deer and headlights Cannoneer we saw versus Izzy. That's yeah. just what I pictured I, I in my head. I think that's just fucking glued in everyone's head. And after this fight, we can never see that again. Yeah, it's it's almost like going into a Johnny Walker fight where you're like, what the fuck's going to happen? You just never know yeah. a cannoneer. Yeah, now what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but cannoneer, and to me, after this, pending on the, on the situation with Whitaker, he really should be able to pick to fight whoever the fuck he wants in the middleweight division. I don't think he has yeah. much more to prove. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, he... Yeah. The only problem is he's just, he's got that fucking losses to Izzy. It's just, they're recent too. It's just, that would never happen again. But everyone else he's got, I feel. Yeah. He's got a fucking fight, a chance with. Yeah, and everyone else has lost Izzy. That's one thing on his side. I'm going to tell you another uh, thorn in my side that was just sticking there this whole fight. I couldn't stop thinking. I really think if Hamzat goes up and wait. I don't think he can beat any of these guys. I, yeah. I I don't feel good about him fighting Cannoneer, Vittori, or Whitaker, to be honest. Another thing, I, I, I don't know how Cannoneer was listed smaller than Vittori. Yeah. I, no Dude, clue. he even fucking made Vittori look tiny. Yes, yeah, like, I, I don't know if it's just like his mass or what, but he looked fucking huge. I mean, they said he had, Vittori had a height advantage, and I, I was like, okay. And then I look at them, and they look the same exact size. If not fucking, what you call it, it's way bigger. Jared Cannonier. Yeah, I mean, Cannonier. He looked at least a little taller. Yeah, he's a former heavyweight. Well, he fought heavy and light heavy before this. Yeah. I mean, he's got he's got to almost by default be a little bigger. But, uh, but what do you think about Hamzat fighting one of these guys? Either like you were saying, dude, Hamzat, I, I don't know how he can do against, like, a fucking heavyweight, former light heavyweight, heavyweight. I mean. That's a whole different monster. And for Hamza, his game's really just fucking straight domination. Just fucking manhandle you, try to get you to the ground, try to beat you into submission. And you can't do that with big boys, especially boys way bigger than you. Yeah, I, I don't I don't feel good about him fighting any of those three guys I just listed. I don't think he's I wouldn't favor him in any of those matchups given this moment but, right now. I mean, we have seen Jared we have seen actually a lot of these middleweights. They kind of fall short in the big stage. And oh, I feel yeah. like Hamzat's enough of a money fight for him to be considered a big stage. Yeah, I agree with that. I just Already. Think, I just think these guys have a lot to throw at him that he hasn't seen yet. Like where Gilbert didn't have enough, I think they have it. But yeah. who even knows if he'll fight middleweight? There keeps being rumors of him and Kamaru or him. I, who knows? There's really no <laughs> telling with Hamzat right now. When the fuck's that going to get booked? I mean, he's fighting Abu Dhabi, right? He's got to. Uh, yeah. I would I actually, even though I wouldn't favor him, I would love to see him go up and fight one of these guys. I know it'd be, it would have to be a immensely quick turnaround for one of the middleweights, but that fight just intrigues me way more than any of the fights that have been mentioned for him. Yeah, but I feel like after we saw them all get fucking ragdolled by fucking Alex Pierre. <laughs> while he got fucking fast-checked up the middleweight rankings. I don't, 
don't want to see fucking them have to face Hamzat too. That's like, imagine true. Imagine Sean Strickland has has Alex Pierre and Hamzat. <laughs> That's too far. <laughs> Dude, and he goes up and has to fight fucking Jout Nomada next. <laughs> Just be getting ran through yeah, the ringer. Like... <laughs> yeah, but it, I mean, fantastic fight. Fantastic showing for Cannoneer. It'll be really interesting to see what happens to him next. It's it's going to be pretty trivial, though, because he has to wait on Whitaker, really. And if Whitaker loses, it throws another monkey wrench in the uh, in the whole thing for Cannoneer. And like you said, it's going to be hard for everyone to get that loss to Izzy out of their head of Cannoneer because that was a really, really fucking bad one. Just certifiable yeah. stinker. And one more thing I want to touch on the main event before we hop into the co-main. What another bummer of a fucking main event that had to take place in the Apex. I mean, this fight would have had a crowd rocking. Yeah. Like, what the I mean, fuck? the good thing about the Apex, I would say, though, I don't think we would have seen the record broke if it wasn't in the Apex, just because of the smaller ring. I was going to ask you that, too. And do you think the Apex, maybe with the smaller ring and the lack of crowd, brings out the better in guys sometimes? Maybe like Cannonier? Yeah, I feel like it really did early on. But now it, it kind of wore off, you know, now that it's not COVID anymore. And we don't have fucking open shit. Or yeah. we have, like, actual crowds at other places. I feel like that effect kind of wore off. But sometimes we do see it shine through like we did today or Saturday. Yeah, I think maybe with a guy like Cannonier who's shown a few times that he can get in his own way, that maybe the apex is good for him. Yeah, obviously, a little, if, little if he, peace and quiet. Right, yeah, because, I mean, that was a Cannonier I don't think any of us expected to see or we've seen before. I mean, he looked fucking... Di- I, it's, it was the... Term, for me, it was the consistency over five rounds for Cannonier. I feel like we haven't seen yet. I mean, he just looked fantastic, and I, I can't believe he's doing it at... What is Is he 38 or 39? He's either 38 or 39, one of the two. I can't yeah. remember. <laughs> I'm not sure. But the fact that he's doing it at that age, I mean, that's the age most guys are retiring. So clap it up for Cannonier. He's 39. Yeah. Awesome main event. <laughs> Good for him. I still am riding pretty high on Vittori. I think Vittori will be able to hang around for a while, especially with the lack of like young talent that have cracked the rankings yet in the middleweight. I don't think he's going to drop that much. He's going to have to take a break, though, because he got the hell beat out of him. Yeah, and especially the lack of any grappling talent in the middleweight. Right, yeah, and, like, the young guys are still within, like, 30 to 20. They're not really at 15. Like, you got fucking, like, Curtis isn't young. Imovov's shown that who knows with him. Hermanson isn't young. Like, I, I don't see him dropping below a lot of these guys anytime soon. Yeah. Let's talk about one more shining star in the card. Even though there was some... I guess you could say trivial moments for a minus a thousand favorite. Armin Sarukian gets the win over Joaquim Silva, but he ate a couple huge blows. I think the biggest one was in the second round, right? Yeah, he. I mean, he he almost was done. Yeah, uh, Sarukian came in as a minus a thousand favorite. I know everyone listening. If you bet him at minus a thousand, you had some shit in your britches at some point because there was a yeah. few points in the fight where <laughs> I was like, "Holy fuck, he's done." Like, I would have yeah. never imagined Armin Sarukian losing to Joaquim Silva, but... Going he's... into this fight, I actually... Sorry to cut no, you off. Ahead. I actually listened to the fucking pre-fight thing, which I usually don't do, but I listened to the pre-fight show before this one, and they were talking about how... uh, What you call it? How 
Joaquin Silva could be a pretty decent bet just because the what you call it explosiveness. And I was like, what are you talking about? Please, like this, this is bullshit. Stop trying to take my money. That's literally what I was thinking. I was about to send it in the group chat. I was like, dude, the the bets they give out, this shit's literally just so they can fucking. They're definitely colluding. <laughs> There's collusion. <laughs> and then he goes out there and actually fucking almost pulls it off. I almost shit my bridges. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't believe it either. But one thing I wanted to note about this, there's a big blow up on Twitter. I don't know if like everyone listening is on UFC Twitter. It's, they blow shit up pretty quick. I think these fights get blown out of proportion a little bit though because he still won. He finished him in the third round. And I think this is like, Say he go like rattles off a couple wins. Like say he would beat like Fiziev next or Dariush next, and then fights for the title. This will be something we completely forget about. I really think these moments for these big name prospects, especially younger guys, because it seems like a chink in their armor, just get blown out of proportion sometimes. Yeah, but then again, if he gets fucking KO'd by Fiziev, then it's fucking. Then you look a, back on this. Yeah, yeah, we look back and we're like, oh yeah, you always left this chin up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm still riding super high on Sarukian. He's immensely talented, super young. He's still outside of Adrian Martins, who obviously is the guy that finished Islam, has given Islam his toughest test to date. And Islam's the current champ who's been rolling fucking everyone. So I still have a lot of faith in Sarukian. Joaquin Silva, great performance, way to make your name. I mean, that's really all I could take from it. Is there anything else you took from it? Oh, I mean, it's a fucking... That one almost got us, boys. <laughs> yeah, and was that, do you think that was like, was that a uh, testament to Sarukian's chin, or was he just lucky he didn't get knocked the fuck out? Oh, or maybe no, a little I, of both. Yeah, it might have been a little of both, because, I mean, just the way that he left it out there, that really worries me. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he hung it out there to get hit. He got fucking hit. <laughs> the whole fight, literally. I, I guess... Someone who, whose whole gameplay and his explosiveness, so I, I, that one really, like, oh, no, it rubbed me the wrong way. I'm with you on that. I guess one of the good things going forward is he did take a hit from a hard-hitting guy and survive, so... Yeah. I mean, Fiziev hits hard... I, I don't know if he, he hits really that hard. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, like looking up the rankings, Dariush might be able to put him down. Dariush hits like a truck sometimes. But then again, yeah. sometimes he doesn't either. And I don't think he's going to fight Gaethje or Poirier. I just don't – I don't see those matchups really happening for him. So I still have a lot of faith in him going forward. I think, he again, if he gets to that point, he'll be the toughest Islam matchup. I think he's just still going to be a guy who's going to hang around for a long time. And Joaquin Silva might get a couple big fights after this, so you got to give him that. Yeah, no doubt. So let's hop into this next fight. Armin Petrosian won by decision over Christian Leroy Duncan. I was really, really disappointed that we didn't get to do the preview because where I would have whiffed on Vittori, I would have nailed it on this one. This was one of my favorite underdogs of the card. I think Petrosian is such a clean, crisp fighter, dude. He adds something to the middleweight that's lacking a lot and – I just love watching him fight, and I like one of the fights that always sticks out in my head for him to me was when he lost to Caio Brahalo. It's been his only loss in the UFC. He still looked like tough to me. He just looked like a guy who was resilient, liked to hang in there. He bounces on his feet a lot for a middleweight, and I mean, this was a great win for him. What'd you think? Yeah, this was supposed to be our guy, fucking 
what you call it, Petrovsky fighting Armin Petrosian before, and I was kind of worried about that matchup for Petrovsky, and then CLD, I, I didn't think he was going to do any better, and to see fucking Petrosian at an underdog, that was fucking nuts. CLD yeah. just, I mean, he, he just, he looked like completely the less experienced fighter. He, like, how I said Jared Cannonier used his range effectively, CLD completely did not. I mean, he, he could not use his reach at all. No, and Armin I wouldn't just, wouldn't have expected that from him. Yeah, Armin just completely closed it on him, fucking com- completely just wore him out over it was just a bad one for CLD, honestly. Yeah, and uh Petrosian's gonna be a guy, I mean it's not breaking news, but to watch out for going forward. He lands right around six strikes a minute. That's pretty damn good for the middleweight. He's fucking shown in all of his fights that he does not he I don't know if this is going to be an advantage or disadvantage. He's not hunting for a finish, which so he's not afraid to take it to a decision win, which is probably good for him, someone who's going to pepper it on you for three rounds. He's shown he can use that to his strength. I think he's just going to be an interesting guy from that like 15 to 25 ranked middleweight. I think he's going to be interesting, give a lot of people some problems. I, I really like watching him going forward. Yeah, no doubt. So let's talk about one of the fan favorites, a guy who – I think we all agreed before this that we really enjoy watching. I love his post-fight interviews. Pat Sabatini getting the second-round submission over Lucas Almeida. I am so happy he's back. I know he lost to our boy, but I'm so happy that that loss didn't knock him off his block. I love watching his post-fight interviews. He's such a stand-up, likable guy. There's nothing really not to like about this guy. He like gives a lot of credit to his family being on the side, his teammates, his coach. He's not a selfish dude, and... He's just resilient as all fuck. I love watching Pat Sabatini fight. What about you, Jeff? Fuck yeah. I mean, he's another Philly fucking ground dog. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these boys from Philly, Sean Brady, fucking Petrosky, all of them, they're fucking in, from the Enzo Gracie gym. I mean, they're just crazy on the ground. Their grappling is phenomenal. I love that. It's like just such a little niche, like, group of guys right from that area that are slowly banging out in the UFC. Dude, isn't it awesome how the Renzo Gracie, it's Renzo Gracie Philly, right? Isn't that what their gym's yep. called? Isn't it awesome how they all, like, not in a bad way, but fit the stereotype so well? They're all, like, gritty dogs yeah. and fucking, yeah. but they're super nice at the same time. Yeah. And I, fucking I, ha- all have fucking the accents. It's the best. Yeah, and fucking... <laughs> And this part of Pennsylvania really doesn't get a lot of fucking a lot of buzz for the UFC because it's really like where, uh, well, I'm having such a bad brain fart. Where Bo Nichols from? Like the middle Pennsylvania wrestlers and like Western Pennsylvania, like the eastern, especially southeastern Pennsylvania, doesn't get a lot of love. I love watching these guys fight. Yeah, no doubt. So good on Pat Sabatini. Let's talk about Manuel Torres with. I mean, I know he got the bonus too, but objectively, for sure, the knockout of the night, probably the fight of the night, perfectly timed elbow <laughs> Nicholas Moda in round one. I would have never have seen that coming with a standing front elbow. Holy shit, dude. Dude, I literally blinked and missed it. Yeah. It was so fucking quick. It was insane. Nicholas Moda's had a very unfortunate run in the UFC. I'm pretty sure this takes him to one and two after his UFC debut. Manuel Torres, I'll tell you, and I think you guys think the same thing. 
that's a fucking talented lightweight striker. And we have really seen in this division where that can take you. Having a chin of steel and being able to strike. I mean, look at Holloway, Yair, and Cater. That's like their bread and butter. And look what they've done in the lightweight division. I mean, he's a guy. He's going to be really dangerous coming to the rankings once he makes it. As long as he can stay consistent, though, he he has these year Mike, layoffs that. You're, you're talking say? featherweight, brother. Oh, featherweight. Sorry. Yeah, I fucking. Yeah, lightweight, dude. That's going to be scary. That's even more yeah. fucking iron and sharpening iron, dude. I don't know. Yeah, I fucking completely mixed them two up. I meant to say, <laughs> I completely meant to say Fizzy, yeah, fucking Poirier and Gaethje. Completely mixed the two <laughs> lists up. But yeah, thanks for correcting me. But I mean, he is just a fucking animal, dude. The chin of steel striking can get you such a long way in these. Well, this and the featherweight division, really. Get you such a long way in these divisions. He's just going to be another guy to watch, throw into this mix, get some fight of the night bonuses. I am immensely excited for him going forward. Yeah, no doubt. This fucking elbow was one of the craziest fucking... It's one of the top knockouts of this year, honestly. Oh, yeah. Yes, for sure. Very reminiscent of fucking um, Meatball's elbow. That's what it reminded me of. I'm saying oh the same God, style, yeah. but... Just the way that he fucking dropped like a sack of potatoes. Yeah, unfucking believable <laughs> And these guys showed a lot of respect to each other after the fight. I like that. I really like that after someone gets knocked out, because you never really know how people are feeling after that. Yeah. So let's hop into the fight that opened up the main card. We had Nicholas Dalby taking on Muslim Salikov. Oh, it went to a decision win for Nicholas Dalby. Pretty decent fight, I guess. Both these guys are really up there in age, and I don't think are going to break rankings or anything. I would really just like to see Nicholas Dalby get some big fights here soon. Not like against ranked opponents, but against higher name guys, maybe like early prelim on a fucking pay-per-view. He's been around the block. He deserves it. Get him a couple bigger paychecks for he retires and send him off into the sunset. What do you think? Yeah, and Salikov might be might need to be sent off to the sunset now. I yeah, mean, what, which is he, insane though. Because did you watch his like last one fight? round in him? Yeah, like he pummeled. Uh, what's his name for like three rounds last fight? I don't. Yeah, he completely outpointed. Fucking. Oh my god, that just gonna bug me. Let me find it. Yeah, but the fight we're referring to, he fought a much younger fighter and poured it on him in the third round. He was throwing, like, spinning wheel kicks in the third round, and it was the guy who Andre fought five... Fialo. Yeah, he fought five times last year. I think that was his fifth fight. Yep. yep. Yeah, poured it on him in the third round. He looked like he was, like, 25 in that fight. He looked yeah, ins- I mean, he looked like a fucking kung fu master. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I, I like... <laughs> And it's like he aged like 10 years since that fight to this one. I, I'm with you. He looked like – I'm surprised he didn't put the gloves down. Yeah, that this was a real bad showing for old Muslim Salikov. Yeah, immensely bad. Good for Nicholas Dalby, though. All right, let's talk about two more fights before we hop off here. We had Jimmy Flick losing to Alessandro Costa. Jimmy Flick is such an anomaly to me. I don't know what the hell to figure of this guy. He gets that fucking arm triangle on the Contender Series – he got the flying arm triangle in his first UFC fight, and then he loses two straight via ground and pound. Like, I don't know what to make of this guy. I mean, one day he looks unbeatable. The next day he looks like, I don't want to say he should be fighting in a regional scene, but he doesn't look good in his losses either. I don't know yeah. what to make of this fellow. Oh, that's the life of fucking uh, complete, uh, oh, what what's the word I'm trying to look for? Fucking 
not one-sided, but like... Well, one-dimensional? One-dimensional, yeah. yeah. A complete one-dimensional fucking prospect. I mean, it happens every time with these guys. Yeah. I feel like, especially with the grappling guys, if they can only grapple, they're fucked. Especially yeah. if they can only do jujitsu. Yeah, the BJJ nerds, they always have a tough go attitude. They ever really t- like Crone Gracie really made that <laughs> evident <laughs> yeah. this past year. Holy shit! Yeah, Jimmy Flick's got a long road ahead of him. He needs to improve immensely. Great win for Alessandro Costa. I mean, you can't really beat a, a knockout with only going into a minute in the second round. Good for him. The last thing we want to talk about on this card was probably really the elephant of the room of the whole card. Would you make? of the early stoppage that ended up being a no contest, Dan Argueda versus Ronnie Lawrence. What did you make of it? Dude, Keith O's fucking Dan Argueda a fucking bag. Dude, give, give Dan the determined of, please, give him his money. I mean, poor guy lost his win bonus because Keith Peterson's probably drunk. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that honestly was what I had written down. That was the biggest thing for me, too. Is like, you're telling me someone doesn't get a bonus out of this? Dude, that's sickening. He dominated all fight, too. He yeah. looked great. And it's just weird, too, because in any other fucking sport, they don't, like, you don't lose because of a bad call. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, you your, still win. Your, yeah, and your pay's not docked. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, just horrible, horrible call from Keith Peterson. I really recommend if you guys haven't watched it to go watch it. It looks like Lawrence, I I can kind of see it did look like he tapped a little bit, but he was definitely just reaching for his back to make some kind of ground. He kind of like, Keith Peterson grabbed his arm and he just snatched his arm back. Yeah, and he didn't, and the thing that really stood out to me is he didn't look like choked out either. Like, he didn't have the big vein in his forehead. His yeah, face wasn't fact, red. But he was going He was going to be done within seconds, I feel like. There's no way out of that, I felt. Yeah, yeah. I, I And I'm with you. It really rubbed me the wrong way. That as low paid as some of these guys are, I don't know what these guys show and win bonus was for this specific fight, but I know a lot of prelims at the apex yeah. are not super high. Yeah, it's definitely not enough and definitely not enough to be taken from you like that. Yes, especially when you did earn the win. I mean, he was winning that fight prior to that, too. It wasn't a, it wasn't a freak choke out or anything. Not only earned the win, you damn near earned the finish. But yes. fucking Keith Peterson wants to cut it short. Like, come on. Yeah, and like, say like say that would have happened. And then say that fucking... Uh, say this happens. And then say that elbow never happens on the main card. That's probably... Fin- like, that's probably... A $50,000 bonus, potentially. Because there really wasn't anything else in this card at all. Yeah. So Clearly. I, that's exactly what I said when it happened. I was like, damn, well, I mean, they give him... I, they fucking... Yeah, they completely screwed him. Yeah, completely fucked him. And luckily enough, it was a no contest, and then that elbow happened. Because if that elbow wouldn't have happened, he might have got cheated out of a, a shit ton of more money. And it just... It would have caused another big mess in the UFC. And I think everyone with the judging recently has been really, really skeptical of the UFC as it is. So if he yeah. would have lost more money, I mean, the tinfoil hat wears would have been out and I probably would have had mine on. Yeah, and this wasn't even the only crazy ref against him. That, I mean, we had the fucking knockout headbutt and then the dude just fucking allowed the guy to get fucking pummeled. Oh, and, right spe- after this. and speaking of just horrible officiating and judging... Talk to us a little bit about Zach Palga and Modestus Bukowskis and the scorecard. Dude, come on. I mean, 
Nobody thought fucking what was it? The second round that Zach definitely won. I could tell you for a fact right now. I believe it was the second. Dude, who 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 in their right mind thought that Zach lost that second round? Like, come on! (laughs) Seriously, how do they judge these fights when literally anybody? With a fucking working set of eyes, can see that Zach Palga won that. Like, what are these guys watching? I, I don't know. I don't really understand what to do about these either. What I think should be done because they're so fucking insane. It's like they're so ludicrous. It's hard to even come up with an answer. Yeah. It's like they're just fucking insane. I don't. And what Jeff's referring to, a completely one sided, completely one sided fight went 30 27 the wrong way right no no just right. some someone ruled it 30 27 when zach talga definitely won that second it, round yes yep i'm seeing it right here yep unfucking believable yeah anthony Maness, never even heard of him judge the second round to Modestus bukaskis the other two had it second round to palga first and third to bukaskis i don't understand how these certain judges too can consistently get away with this because most of them yeah. aren't isolated incidents. If you look yeah, down the record, repeat offenders. <laughs> they, they're, they're like hanging out at the elementary school after they got tagged. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's insane, buddy. Dude. They need to be on the list. Put dude, them on the list. It's insane. Like most of these guys, I remember I was reading you guys a stat a couple weeks ago. Most of these guys do this like five times a year over different promotions. Like they'll do it in Bellator and then they'll do it in the UFC like the next yeah, week. Or at least make it easier for me to find so I don't fucking bet when these fucking numbskulls are fucking judging. Yeah, they should be on like a no bet list. These fights shouldn't yeah. even be allowed on FanDuel. Yeah, fucking we got half a brain fucking judging this one. <laughs> we gotta <laughs> avoid it. <laughs> Well, that's going to wrap up our review. We'll be back with a preview of this weekend's coming card with a full team. Thanks for listening.